Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Consumer Review Report. I'm Diane Rebecca here on WMCK.FM Internet Radio. All right, so I, another week has went by. I hope everybody got through the week without any product or service mishaps. But if you did not, or there's a product or service that you would like to rave about, you can get in touch with me via email at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you'd like to uh, give me any ideas on any products or services that you would like to hear on the show, you can get in touch with me via email, consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. All right, so I was... Um, sitting around last week and I was scratching my head trying to figure out what to do on this week's show uh, as I do every week and um, I came across an article in the October 16th issue of the Wall Street Journal Uh, it's titled Google not home yet in hardware which I'll talk more about in the consumer news portion of the show But anyways, it mentions the Google Home Smart Speaker. Now, I guess Google has just had their uh, presentation on the new products that they're coming out with. And so one of the things is they've um, tried to improve on the Google Home Smart Speaker. Um, Now, we have the Google Home Smart Speaker Mini which is supposed to have the same features but differs in size. However, we're not too thrilled about this uh, Google Home Smart Speaker Mini that we have. Um, We rely mostly on our smarter Amazon Concierge. Uh, I think we actually think that it's um, a dumb speaker, not so much a smart speaker. But I'll go into greater detail about this, um, be- and I'll tell you how I feel about this uh, speaker, why we favor the Amazon one over this Google one. But I'll go into greater detail about this after the recall and news portion of the show. So let's go ahead and get to those recalls. There's not too many this week. Um, there's one consumer product recall. SoftPlay recalls spider climb playground climbers due to fall hazard. The climbing level platforms were designed too far apart, posing a fall hazard to children who can fall climbing from one level to the next. Alright, so let's go on to the FDA recall safety alerts. There's only four of those this week. So let's scroll down here. Samurai Inc. issues allergy alert on undeclared fish in Firkaki popcorn, five ounce package. So this is a Honolulu, Hawaii based company conducting a voluntary recall on 16,660 packages of Furikaki 
popcorn. That's spelled F-U-R-I-K-A-K-E, popcorn, because it may contain undeclared fish. People who have an allergy or severe sensitivity to fish run the risk of serious or life-threatening allergic reaction if they consume these products. The next one is Macau Seafood Incorporated. Uh, they are voluntarily recalling tuna products for possible scrombroid poisoning. And they are voluntarily uh, recalling frozen and wild-caught yellowfin tuna poke cubes, tuna loins, tuna ground meat, and 6-ounce tuna steaks because of potentially elevated levels of histamine. Elevated levels of histamines can produce an allergic reaction called scrombroid fish poisoning. PK International Inc. issues alert on undeclared sulfites in Keshav dry apricots. And so PK International Inc. is recalling its 7-ounce and 14-ounce packages of Keshav dry apricot. That's spelled K-E-S-H-A-V dry apricot food treats because they contain undeclared sulfites. And the last one is Johnson & Johnson Consumer Inc. is voluntarily recalling a single lot of Johnson's baby powder in the United States. They announced that it is initiating a voluntary recall in the United States of a single lot of its Johnson's baby powder in response to a U.S. Food and Drug Administration test indicating the presence of subtrace levels of chrysotile asbestos contamination. And I did not look up what that means, but it's probably not a good thing. So they are recalling some of that baby powder. And the last one, we have the FSIS Food Safety Inspection Service recalls. We have six of those, so let me scroll down here. Two, Kenosha Beef International recalls seasoned beef products due to possible foreign matter contamination. Now, this is a Columbus, Ohio establishment, and they are recalling an undetermined amount of seasoned beef products that may be contaminated with uh, foreign matter. Global Zyke Enterprises, spelled Z-A-K-I-I, LLC recalls canned meat and canned poultry products produced without benefit of import inspection. So, actually, this is Kenosha Beef International. Uh, Columb uh, they're saying this Global Zaki Enterprises is connected with that. Uh, well, actually, they're just repeating what I just read about the Kenosha Beef International. Uh, so, because they're, they are concerned that there may be uh, contaminated with foreign matter. And then uh, Mama's Chicken Pies recalls chicken and meat products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. Mama's Chicken Pies, a North Carolina establishment, is recalling an undetermined amount of chicken pie and meatloaf products due to misbranding and undeclared allergens. TNR Enterprise USA recalls meat and poultry products due to insanitary conditions. 
Now, this is a St. Louis, Missouri establishment, and they are recalling approximately 118,000 pounds of meat and poultry egg roll products that were produced and packed under insanitary conditions. Pride of Florida recalls beef products due to possible E. coli. And they are recalling approximately 64,797 pounds of raw beef products that may be contaminated with E. coli. Alright, George's recalls ready-to-eat pork and turkey products due to possible salmonella contamination. They are recalling approximately 6,444 pounds of ready-to-eat pork sausage patty and turkey sausage patty products that may be contaminated with salmonella. That's George's prepared foods. Alright, so that is going to do it for the recall portion of the show. But we have some <clears throat> consumer news, some interesting consumer news, um, trying to keep everybody updated on the vaping crisis that's still going on and apparently they still do not have a a uh, particular fix on what's causing it so but the death and injury tolls go up week after week so from the october 18th wall street journal vaping related injury cases now near 1500 with 33 deaths this is written by Brianna Abbott. The number of lung injuries linked to vaping grew to 1,479 this week with 33 deaths. Now, as you remember, we did have uh, last week it was 1,300 vaping-related injuries and 29 deaths. Now we're up to 1,479 and up to 33 deaths. <clears throat> and that's from the federal health authorities. And they said this on Thursday. As they ramp up laboratory testing to gain more insight into the still mysterious illnesses, the total number of cases was up 180 from last week, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said. The CDC says the dip in the pace is likely because of a lag time in reporting and that there is no indication the outbreak is slowing down. Investigators still don't know the specific cause of the illnesses as no one product or substance has been linked to all of the cases. Federal health officials say there might be multiple chemicals or a combination of substances leading to the lung injuries. Most of the cases have occurred in people who said they had vaped products containing THC, though a few reported <clears throat> only vaping nicotine. Many of the people who had vaped THC obtained their products from, the, from unregulated sources, leading some investigators to suspect that contaminants in illicit THC products are driving the illnesses. In its search for a cause, CDC said it is now testing lung tissue samples from patients. The agency said it is figuring out how best to test blood, urine, and other fluid samples that it has started to receive. The CDC says <clears throat> that it is also moving to test the vapors, also called aerosols, emitted by the e-liquid products collected as part of their investigation. The testing could help investigators determine how the chemistry of the products changes during heating and whether that plays a role in the illnesses. 
A lot of these components interact with each other when this liquid is subjected to high temperature. We can potentially predict what can be formed from a liquid, but it is much better to look at the aerosol itself. Public health officials have warned people to stop vaping THC-containing products and have stressed that people should not buy illicit products or modify the products that they purchased legally. So that's the update on that. And also in the October 18th Wall Street Journal, Juul halts online sales of some flavored e-cigarettes, written by Jennifer Maloney. Juul Labs Inc. is halting online sales of its sweet and fruity e-cigarette refill pods as federal regulators prepare to pull most nicotine vaping products off the market in response to a surge in teen vaping. The San Francisco startup last year stopped sales of such flavors including mango, fruit, and cucumber in bricks and mortar stores but had until now continued to sell them on its website which has age controls. Juul is the e-cigarette market leader, accounting for 64% of e-cigarette sales in retail stores and has been blamed for the rise in underage vaping. The company is under investigation by the Food and Drug Administration, the Federal Trade Commission, and federal prosecutors in California. The FDA in September said it planned to pull from the market all e-cigarettes except those formulated to taste like tobacco. Juul considered uh, lobbying for an exception for mint and menthol flavors, which comprise the majority of its U.S. sales, but decided not to fight the proposed ban. For now, Juul will continue to sell tobacco, mint, and menthol flavors in stores and online. The company hasn't made a final determination on whether to voluntarily halt sales of its mint and menthol products, a spokesman said. The FDA, which regulates tobacco, has given e-cigarette manufacturers until May 2020 to submit for review any products they want to keep on the market after that date. If the agency implements its proposed ban on most vaping flavors, manufacturers can seek the FDA's authorization to renew selling sweet and menthol-flavored products. But first, they must demonstrate that the products provide a net benefit to public health. Juul is conducting clinical trials on its products, including mango, mint, and menthol flavors, to gather information that it plans to submit to the FDA by May, according to people familiar with the matter. It hasn't decided which flavors it will submit. Tobacco giant Reynolds American Inc. made its first submission to the agency last week for review of some of its Views e-cigarettes, and Enjoy Holdings, Inc., the number two player, aims to file with the FDA in January. The submissions must include clinical research and behavioral studies, comparing the vaping products to traditional cigarettes, and examining the potential risk of uptake by young people or non-smokers. Jewel said Thursday that given the lack of trust in our industry, the FDA's review process is the best way to assess the role these products can play in helping adult smokers move away from combustible cigarettes while also being kept out of the hands of youth. All right, so that is our update on the vaping crisis. 
Now, here's the article I, I just picked out because it's kind of interesting. Um, this was in the October 18th Wall Street Journal. Bud Brewer accuses Miller Coors of stealing recipes by Jennifer Maloney. Now, I did not know that there was an ongoing conflict between these two, starting apparently uh, during the Super Bowl last year. And it's just growing out of control. So let me tell you a little bit about that. Budweiser Brewer, Anheuser-Busch InBev SA, is accusing rival Molson Coors Brewing Company of stealing its secret beer recipes, escalating a fight that began in February over a Super Bowl ad. Uh, Molson Coors U.S. Business Unit in March sued Anheuser-Busch, arguing that a Bud Light ad campaign was falsely suggesting that Miller Light and Coors Light contained corn syrup. So a judge in May temporarily stopped Bud Light from running some of the campaign ads and denied Anheuser-Busch's motion to dismiss the suit. In September, the court barred Anheuser-Busch from using the words no corn syrup on its Bud Light packaging. In a heavily redacted counterclaim filed Thursday in U.S. District Court for the Western District of Wisconsin, Anheuser-Busch claims a Miller Coors employee in February obtained secret recipes for Bud Light and Michelob Ultra from an Anheuser-Busch employee. We take our trade secrets seriously and will protect them to the fullest extent of the law, an Anheuser-Busch spokeswoman said. Miller Coors respects confidential information and takes any contrary allegations seriously, but if the ingredients are a secret, why did they spend tens of millions of dollars telling the entire world what's in Bud Light, a Miller Coors spokesman said. Anheuser-Busch has lost three major federal rulings in this case, and now they are simply trying to distract from the basic fact that they intentionally misled American consumers. According to the court filing text messages in the days before and after the Super Bowl show, the Miller Coors employee asked the Anheuser-Busch employee for information on the ingredients of Anheuser-Busch beers. Miller Coors uh, obtained photographs of recipes for Bud Light and Michelob Ultra that described how recent batches of each beer were brewed, including the barley and hop blends and the volume and relative weight of ingredients according to the filing. The manner of transmission appears to be a printout of a screenshot that was folded up, secreted out of the AB brewery, and then sent by text, the court filing says. The text messages are redacted in the court filing. The Miller Coors brewer previously had twice offered the Anheuser-Busch employee a job, according to the filing. Anheuser-Busch Thursday said its employee has been suspended pending an investigation. So I just thought that was kind of interesting news. I did not know all this was going on between the big beer giants, but... There you go. So if I have any more news on that, I'll keep you updated on that as well. All right, so going to the article that I first mentioned at the beginning of the show, Google not home yet in hardware. This was in the October 16th Wall Street Journal, written by Dan Gallagher. 
Google has long been able to afford to play in hardware like it has nothing to lose, but that inevitable position has yet to produce a clear win. The internet search giant owned by Alphabet Inc. announced its latest devices Tuesday, just weeks after Microsoft and Amazon.com showed off theirs. None of the three depend on hardware for even a significant fraction of their revenues, but Amazon and Microsoft have succeeded in carving out new segments of the market that in turn help further their overall business interests. Google, by comparison, has struggled. The most notable success has been its Google Home smart speaker that still runs a distant second to Amazon's Echo, which pioneered the category. It isn't for lack of effort or resources and Honestly, I agree. I like the Amazon concierge that we have, which is, uh, you know, in the family of Amazon Echo. It's just probably an older one, older thing that they came out with. But I still think it's way better than the Google Home Mini that we have. And I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, Google has also proved to have some design chops of its own as the Pixel is typically regarded as one of the best Android phones available. The fourth iteration of the device showed Tuesday will likely maintain that image as Google adds some interesting new features such as onboard radar that enables users to control the phone with a gesture. But money and ability haven't been enough to break the company into the ossified smartphone business where users in developed regions have largely largely settled in with their vendors of choice. Mostly like if you like an Apple phone, you probably will get an Apple phone for the rest of your life. I myself am a Samsung fan, so I've always had Samsung phones and unless it catches on fire or blows up, Uh, I probably will always get a Samsung phone. So that's where Google is having problems with trying to break uh, people away from their largely settled vendors of choice. The first Pixel phone even had the good fortune to go up against a rival device from Samsung that was prone to catching fire. It didn't help. Google's first three Pixel phones have failed to crack 1% of the global uh, smartphone market. According to market research firm IDC, Google can clearly keep at it, but success may prove elusive until it can come up with something that defines a category and forces the rest of the market to take notice. Google can easily afford to stake its own claim in hardware. It just hasn't found the right place to plant its flag yet. So let's talk a little bit about the home speaker uh well it's called google home smart speaker mini all right and there's three categories which i'll have a a video clip from theo theo joe which will describe the same ones um it has the speaker portion which you can play music or any media on it it has that you can ask it any questions such as you know if you would go into Google search on your phone and you would ask it questions. And then the third thing is it's supposed to uh, control like the thermostat or the lights in your home if you have that kind of setup. Now, my husband and I only use it as a speaker and to ask it questions. We don't have the fancy technology yet. We're still in the 
20th century, I guess, as far as that's concerned. We don't have electronic things turning on and off our lights. We have an electronic thermostat, but we have to go over and push the button rather than tell either the Amazon or the Google to turn it up or turn it down. We have to do everything manually in this house. So the only two things we use it for is a speaker and to try to ask it questions. And that's where we have a problem. Now as a speaker, I mean, you know, we have like 10,000 things as a speaker. So we really didn't need one more speaker. Um, you know, occasionally we'll play music on it. It's not anything special. It has, a, you know, a normal sound to play music. It's not, you know, overwhelmingly great. And like I said, we have 10,000 other things to play music on. So we really don't need it for that. But the one thing that <clears throat> we sort of like to know is like we'll occasionally be watching a movie and we'll be like, oh, I wonder who that is. Or you just... It, it, just as curious for something and you ask it a question well first of all when the tv's on it doesn't really hear us so we have to probably move it in another uh position in order for it to hear us because sometimes we have to scream at it when the tv's on <laughs> and he has a better uh, chance of getting it to notice him than me I guess because I could talk to it all the time and it won't listen to me but as soon as he asks a question it listens to him so it's all very strange but <laughs> even when we ask it a question it will always about 80% of the time tell us I can't help you with that or I don't know that or you know so it's very stupid I mean I ask Google search all things all the time and it comes up with multiple answers but I ask this thing and you know if it does have access to Google search it doesn't have very much to say because 80% of the time it's always telling us I can't help you with that or I don't know that so that's why I, I say that we think it's dumb actually and we re we really rely on our amazon concierge for a lot of things so the other difference is too is that i can't bluetooth to it or i just haven't figured out how whereas the amazon concierge i can bluetooth to it i can get it out of wi-fi mode and put it in bluetooth mode and then be able to play my music whereas i don't think in the google mini speaker i haven't either figured it out or it really doesn't have that and from what i've read and what i've heard i don't think it has that feature at all so Let's go to Tech Radar Review um, because they have some things to say about this speaker. And they say, well, they rated a four star, so that's not too bad. Um, I don't use all the features, so whatever star I put on it, it would probably be uh, two because, I mean, it works as a speaker like it's supposed to, but we really don't need that feature. And whenever we ask it questions, 80% of the time, it doesn't answer. But we don't use it as a home central, you know, um, you know, to turn on lights or thermostats or whatnot. So they do say, although they rate it a four, they say small on sound, big on value. Okay. So their verdict, and again, this is techradar.com. The Home Mini is the cheapest way of buying into the system, yet for those looking to buy into Google's smart home ecosystem, 
While it's a good value for the price, its poor sound performance makes it a better desk buddy than a standalone speaker. So the fours, the positives integrates with Google Cast offers Bluetooth support. Oh, so I guess it does. I don't know what the heck that means. But their minus is sound performance is weak. I don't know what that means. Offers Bluetooth support. And then it goes on to say IoT friendly. I don't know what that means either. But they do say incredible value. Because it's only $49. So it's cute. It's compact. It's only $49. The affordable Google Home Mini does something that most of the best Bluetooth speakers can't. It comes equipped with Google Assistant. So it is a Bluetooth speaker. I guess I haven't figured out how to do the Bluetooth in it though. So <laughs> I hope I kept those directions or maybe you can get them online. I'm not sure. But we have so many speakers. It's like one more Bluetooth speaker. It doesn't matter to me, right? Now, uh, it comes equipped with Google Assistant, which is always at the ready to help you find answers, turn on the tunes, dim the lights, start a TV show, and more by using nothing but your voice. That means that the Home Mini is exactly like the larger, more expensive Google Home and even the much more powerful Google Home Max. But that's where the comparisons stop. While the others make for very solid standalone speakers from a performance standpoint, the Home Mini can't hold its own as the sole sound maker in your house. Oh yeah, that's another thing I found out it can do too. It can cast into the TV. So whatever it's playing on that speaker, you can cast it so that it comes out of the TV as well. So I don't know, you know, uh, I guess any music that you have saved in your Google Play, um, you can cast that into your TV. So that might be a positive as well. Um, it's been a while since Google Home Mini came out, and while we may not have any definitive news about the next version of the Home Mini, so this must have been uh, quite some time because I think at their announcements on Thursday, they do have a new and improved Home Mini. Um, but we'll see about that in a couple minutes. Uh, but that hasn't stopped us putting together a wish list of everything we'd want to see in the Google Home Mini 2. So, they're expecting the new Google Nest Mini, I guess that's what they're calling the new one, to finally land uh, October 15th. So that's why Thursday, I guess they had the announcements of all their uh, launching, uh, whatever um, products they're launching. So... Let's see, did I have anything else <clears throat> to say about that? There's certainly an aspect of subjectivity in judging sound quality, but most would agree that what the Home Mini is capable of isn't a whole lot. The soundstage, despite being pitched at 360 degrees, falls a little flat. While skilled in pulling up the most obscure music you can think of, from a fairly wide variety of streaming services, the Mini has a difficult time doing them justice because of the speaker's diminutive profile. However, if you already own a Google Home or have a speaker set up with a Chromecast audio, the Home Mini will make your audio arrangement even sweeter with its expertise leaning on the hides in the sound profile. Vocals and the like chime through clearly but come in at the expense of, well, everything else. This isn't a problem if you have other speakers picking up the slack, but by itself, the Home Mini just isn't mighty enough. 
In spite of that fact, however, it's impossible not to recommend this little device. Its assistant, smart, large list of features and low price make it easy to take the plunge on the home mini. Alright, so uh, they go on about design and how you could put your finger on it and if you, you know, put it on the left and right sides, it raises and lowers the volumes just touching by just touching it. And uh, you can navigate with your voice or touch and it has four LEDs on the top to show that your action has been registered. So that's why when I'm trying to scream at the Google and I don't see those lights come on, it's it just wants to ignore me all the time. I don't know if it just recognizes a deeper voice and that's why my husband has a better time at talking to this Google, but I don't know. Or maybe it's just tired of the sound of my voice. <laughs> that could be too, I guess. Yeah, so then, um, you know, it it has a micro USB port. So uh, you can charge it up or just leave it plugged in. It has a microphone switch that enables you to turn off active listening, making this a speaker that you'll have to tap to interact with. And then the performance, the Google Home Mini is the most affordable Google Assistant enabled speaker available. And thankfully, its voice recognition doesn't suffer from the reduction in size and price. Whether shouting from across the room or speaking gently 10 feet away, the Home Mini yielded similarly great results, and I have to disagree with that, as I've just uh, complained about, right? doesn't recognize my voice, but we're in the same place, but it recognizes my husband's voice maybe 80% of the time, and maybe, for me, like 40% of the time, so. And we'll be sitting in the same exact place, so I have to disagree with that. Uh... Yeah, in terms of what the Home Mini can take control of, the list goes on. You can place a call for free in the U.S., a feature that's also recently launched in the U.K., as well as stream music through an assortment of music apps like Pandora, Spotify, or Spotify, YouTube Music, iHeartRadio, and more. It can send a request to pull up a YouTube video over to your Chromecast to effortlessly begin viewing. <coughs> The Home Mini is also a smart home hub in that it can integrate with Internet of Things. Okay, so that's what IoT means. Internet of Things devices from the likes of TP-Link, Philips Hue, Wemo, and more. So I'm guessing those are the lights and the thermostats, etc. <clears throat> Alright, but putting aside its smart capabilities for a moment, the Home Mini boasts an impressive set of features that are available right out of the box for those who can't be bothered to talk to their speaker or connect it with uh, other services. Alright, so and then it goes on and on. And so the verdict is similar to the Amazon Echo Dot. It's clear that the Home Mini is Google's attempt at getting the assistant into as many homes as possible. At that, the sheer amount of capabilities that the Google Home brings in addition to its Chick Premium build and the low price makes it an instant star if you're in the market for a cheap speaker the google home mini will do the trick for many but keep in mind that it's 
best viewed as a supplement to the home family, not the foundation. This device's specialty, aside from being oh so smart, is mainly to reward those who are already within Google Cast's enabled walled garden with a cheap new device. Yes, the Google Home Mini is less than half the price of the larger Google Home and half its size too. However, it just doesn't sound like we're getting half its performance. We're getting something a bit less. All right, so let's see uh, what... CNET, which is a Canada, uh, I guess, a Canada channel um, on YouTube, they have a video clip. It's called Google Home Smart Speaker Mini Review. Great speaker that won't kill the Echo Dot. And I believe it might be the new one that they're reviewing. But uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. Okay, Google, let's talk about your new smart speaker, the Google Home Mini. It packs everything that people liked about the original Google Home into a much smaller, much more affordable package. It isn't as loud, but it's just as smart, and it only costs 50 bucks. That's the same price and the same pitch as its rival, the Amazon Echo Dot. That product was, and still is, a smash success for Amazon, and Google wants in on the action. Hard to blame them. So how do the two compare? Well, as you might expect, they have a lot in common. They can both stream music, they can both answer random questions and tell bad jokes, they can turn your smart home devices on and off, and a whole lot more. They both keep learning new tricks too, which makes it fun to own one. To set itself apart, the Home Mini sports a distinctive fabric top design that comes in your choice of three colors. It's a clean, simple build. The only physical button is a switch in the back that meets the microphone, though you can tap the top to play and pause, tap and hold to wake up the assistant, or tap the sides to adjust the volume. It's fancier looking than the dot, but I think there might be some style over substance here. For instance, you can't really pick the thing up without accidentally toggling those finicky volume controls. And those white indicator lights are a little hard to see from across the room, especially on this chalk colored model. The dot is much easier to see at a distance. For that reason, I recommend going with the darker gray charcoal color if you're thinking of buying. Like the speaker that came before it, the Home Mini can also distinguish between different voices, which lets the speaker tailor custom responses for different family members. Alexa still can't do that. The Home Mini's other edge over the dot is that it offers noticeably better sound quality. Just listen to them both tell a joke. When is a door not a door? When it's a jar. Did you hear about the guy thrown in jail for refusing to take a nap? He was resisting arrest. Of course, if you really care about sound quality, then you'll probably want to hook this thing up with a stronger set of speakers. That's an option, but only if those speakers are hooked up with a Chromecast audio. With the Echo Dot, you can connect with existing speakers directly via aux cable or Bluetooth. No extra gizmos necessary. That's a much, much better approach and a smarter one since connecting with external speakers is such a common use case here. I predict that lots of people are going to end up choosing the Dot over the Home Mini this holiday season for that exact reason, and I can't really say that I blame them. In the end, if you prefer the Google Assistant over Alexa, and there are plenty of reasons why you might, then don't hesitate to give the Google Home Mini a shot. It's a low-cost, low-risk way to take Google's mastery of machine learning for a test drive, and a great way to expand the Google Assistant's footprint in your home. That said, the Mini isn't a silver bullet, and it doesn't distinguish itself enough to establish Google's unique vision for the artificially intelligent living space. If anything, it feels like a concession that Amazon got there first. All right, so maybe that'll tell you a little bit about, you know, if you're trying to decide between the Amazon and the uh, Google, 
Maybe that tells you a little bit, but I went to the Target website for this Google Home Mini Smart Speaker with Google Assistant. It actually got a whopping 4.7 stars out of 1,774 star ratings. So people that bought it about a month ago, to, uh, this one a month ago, rated it 4 stars. Fun little gadgets, still exploring all the functions, but enjoying so far. Another one a month ago, five stars. So handy. I love having one in my bedroom to check what I have coming up in the day, the weather, etc. Another one two months ago, a five star. Placed order online in 20 minutes. Order was ready for pickup. 10 minutes later, it was in my house. Product quality was top notch. This is from Target website. Uh, 10 years loves it. So two months ago, we got this for my son when it was half off. Perfect for my 10-year-old to listen to music. Another five-star two months ago, just four words. I bought another two. I recently got Google Mini and Echo Show 2 and Echo Dot. Google Assistant is definitely the best one. Better speaker sound than Echo Dot and Google is much more responsive and can do more. Plus, it has great deals. So I ordered another two and returned Alexa. So... You know, I guess the sound is subjective, you know, but I guess you would have to make a choice about that. I would think that Alexa is probably uh, a better sound from what, because I have both. So that, to me, I like uh, the Amazon sound better. And then another two months ago, works great. I bought a couple and we love them. So that's the 4.7 stars is pretty impressive let's see what any of the if there was any one star yeah um about six months ago my mini is a mess we got a google home when it first came out and loved it so hey let's get a mini well we must have gotten a bad one it crackles and the volume goes up and down you cannot understand much of anything she is saying love our google home but the mini is a flop Here's another one star about 10 months ago. Warning, isn't compatible with all Wi-Fi. When you first power on the Google Home, it instructs you that the device hasn't been set up yet and that you need to download the Google Home app. Okay, easy enough. Except that by the time you download the Google Home app, the Google Home itself has told you to download the app at least 5,000 times. If I were doing it over again, I would 100% download the app first so I don't have to hear that thing insistently tell me it isn't set up yet. Setup is easy enough through the app until you get to connecting to the Wi-Fi. Despite the device connecting to the Wi-Fi successfully, it unfortunately could not communicate with my phone or the app and instructed me to alter the settings on my wireless connection and router. Uh, now, where I live, I do not have access to alter the setting on my Wi-Fi and or router and would have to get my cable and internet provider involved if I wanted to continue in setting up the Google Home in any way. Pretty much nothing uh, on this earth is worth contacting a cable and internet provider and expecting them to help you in any way. So I ended up returning to Google Home. All of that to say, beware, just because you have Wi-Fi doesn't mean this thing will work. And then 10 months ago, one star, it paired up with my friend's cell phone. She has control of my Google Mini when I am the only one that should have control of it. Help. <laughs> so there you go. It gives you a little balance about what might be the negatives, but what the people 
I mean, 4.7 out of 1,774 reviews, that's not too bad. All right, so coming up now, uh, we have a video by Theo Joe. His video is called Google Home Review, Lookout Siri. So let's take a listen. Hey, what's up guys? I'm Theo Joe, and today we're gonna to be doing a review of the Google Home, the latest AI assistant that's gonna join the ranks of Apple Siri and Amazon Echo. But how useful is it actually? And does it work? How well does it work? So that's what we're gonna be talking about today, and we're gonna find out if this is actually something that you can use. First, why don't we talk about the actual design of this thing? It looks almost egg-shaped. It's a very unique design. The way they put it, they were trying to get it almost to look like a candle, so it would fit right into an average home. And it does have a nice textured base that is customizable, and it feels good quality, has good durability and nice weight to it. And those interchangeable bases are going to be helpful if you want to fit it in with the rest of your home, but they are sold separately. There really aren't any buttons on this thing at all, except for the one mute button on the back, that's it. And there are status lights with a touch interface on the top, and that is what you would use to control the volume. You rotate your finger around, up or down, and those lights will appear whenever it's activated and show the volume that you're adjusting it. And you can also tap on the top interface if you're playing music, and that will pause and play the music again. Also on the top are the microphones. This is far field technology, so it can hear you from very far away. And on the inside is the speakers, and I will say the speakers get very loud. It's much louder than expected, so that's nice. Setup is also very easy. You simply plug it in. It's flush with the bottom of the device, and then it turns on. You connect with your phone to it, and then set up the Wi-Fi and all that. Of course, at the heart of Google Home is the Google Assistant. It's a virtual AI that allows you to issue commands to it, to do different stuff, very similar to Apple's Siri. Of course, the main questions will be, what can it do, and how well does it do those things? So how much is this actually capable of? Well, I would say a good amount. I would break down the features into three main groups, information, home control, and media playback, and I'll go over each one. First, Google Home gives you access to information from your Google account and on the web. So you can set reminders, look up traffic info for your commute, ask it questions like, who is the next president? And also do local map searches such as, when is Target open? Okay, Google, who will be the 45th president? According to VOA Learning English, Americans have elected Donald J. Trump as the 45th president of the United States. Okay, Google, when was he born? Donald Trump was born on June 14, 1946. Okay, Google, what are the store hours for Target today? Target is open on Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. It uses Google search to answer these, so it's not limited to a very specific set of questions. Next is home control. It does support some smart devices like Philips Hue, Samsung SmartThings, Nest thermostats, so you can control your lights and temperature, but the integration is pretty limited on that front. However, it does support one very noticeable service called If This Then That, which basically allows you to set triggers and commands that tie in with many, many other services. So that will be very useful. Basically, you go on If This Then That's website and you set up a trigger, which you would use as a voice command, and then when you use that command, it does a specific thing. So you could use a command that would send a text message or post a tweet or turn on your sprinklers tons of possibilities, but you do have to set those up manually and set the voice command, so it would be nice for Google to 
be able to control all these services natively. Then there's also another feature the home can do, by the way, which is call you an Uber. So that's kind of nice as well. The final group of features is home entertainment. So Google Home will allow you to cast music to it. Any device on your phone that supports Google Chromecast, you can also stream to that. And then it basically just acts like a speaker. On the other hand, you can actually issue a vocal command to Google Home and it will control other Chromecast devices you have in your house. So if you have a Chromecast on your TV, you can say, play a YouTube video, and it would play that on the TV, just bring it up automatically. And if you say, play Spotify on my TV, it'll play that as well. Okay, Google, play some music in the living room. All right, music from Google Play Music. Playing on living room. Okay, Google, play PewDiePie on YouTube on the TV. Sure, playing PewDiePie from YouTube on living room. However, the number of services that can be controlled through Google Home are very limited. There's only like five for music and the only one for video is YouTube right now. It doesn't even support Netflix or Google Play Movies for that matter. So that's unfortunate, hopefully they add more. But it really shines with music and if you have multiple Chromecast devices or even multiple Google Homes, you can have multi-room playback so you can ask it to play a song in a group of rooms that you set up and then it will play the same music in all the rooms that you specify. I should also talk about the Google Home app which ties together all the things that you use with Home. So this used to be called Google Cast but they renamed it and now any Chromecast devices and Google Home are all controlled through this. And it mostly seems like this is a way to manage the services and the devices. You don't really control anything directly from the Google Home app. It's mostly to be able to set your preferences, set your settings. Now, one thing I should point out is if you have Google Assistant on your phone, the Google Home is going to take priority when you issue commands and both are within range. So if you say, okay, Google, the phone will say responding on other device and then the Google Home will say its response. Okay, Google, how are you? Awesome, thanks. How can I help? This can sometimes get annoying. I wish there was a way to change it. For example, sometimes I'll be talking directly into my phone. I'll say, okay, Google, write to my phone but the Google Home is somehow hearing me from way in the other room and then it will respond, but it's too far away for me to actually hear it even though I was talking to my phone. Another issue is that the Google Home for some reason can't do everything that the Google Pixel and Google Assistant can do. For example, you can look up calendar information on your Google Assistant, but if you try to do it on the Home, it doesn't work. And you could probably see that this will be an issue if I'm talking to my phone, say, okay, Google, and ask a question about the calendar, the Google Home is gonna take priority and cut in just to say it can't do it. Interestingly though, the Google Home actually allows you to address it in two different ways. You can either say, okay, Google, or hey, Google, and it will respond to both. So that's not the case with the Pixel phone. It only does OK Google. So it'd be nice to add the customization to be able to select which one responds to that or even add custom command words. Overall though, I would say the Google Home is pretty useful. It's $130, so I think that's a pretty reasonable price for what you get. You effectively get a wireless speaker, a smart speaker, as well as the Google Assistant, and it's only going to get more features as time goes on. And also, because all the features are software-based, there's not really anything to upgrade in terms of hardware, it's just a speaker and a microphone, 
it's not gonna be obsolete anytime soon. It's still very limited and it's not gonna perform magic, but I would say it's gonna be most useful for people who already have Chromecast devices in their house. Also, if you don't have any smart devices in your home like Philips Hue or Nest Thermostat, you're also gonna get limited use out of this. So if you don't have any devices that could be controlled through this, I would say hold off because you're not gonna get the best features out of it. It's just gonna be a glorified search box. And you'll probably be able to tell if this is something you would actually want. If you're looking at the features and you can't even think how you would use it, don't get it. On the other hand though, if you do have devices it can control and you subscribe to some of the services it integrates with, then yeah, you'll probably find a lot of use out of it. So overall, I would say, yeah, it's probably worth it, but depending on who you are, you might disagree. If you're a very techie person, this is definitely something you'll wanna jump on. Otherwise, probably hold off. You might decide you want it later. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this review. If you did, give it a thumbs up. All right, so there you go. There's some more information on that. Now, uh, digitaltrends.com did an article October 17, 2019, written by Patrick Hearn. Google Nest Mini versus Google Home Mini Smart Speaker Showdown. So they are comparing the 2017 Google Home Mini with the now uh, recently launched Google Nest Mini. And so if you want more information about that, go to digitaltrends.com. But let me scroll down to the sound. Uh... Let's see, Google upped its audio game with the Nest Mini. The device has double the base of the original with a third microphone versus the two in the Google Home Mini added into the device to ensure users can be heard even when the music is blaring. See, that's a concern that I had that the TV's on, but it doesn't hear what you're trying to ask it. The Nest Mini has 360 degree sound and a 40 millimeter driver like the original Google Home Mini. And then the Google Assist part, in addition to sound, the Nest Mini adds in features that the original Home Mini can only dream of. The most notable of these is the dedicated machine learning chip. In layman's terms, this gives the Nest Mini and Google Assistant the ability to learn your habits and behaviors so that it can respond more quickly and naturally to requests. And so uh, that gives you a little bit. And if you want more information, go to digitaltrends.com and see if it is worth it to upgrade to the, um, <clears throat> to the Nest Mini as opposed to the Google Home Mini. And so they have some design changes as well, but, you know... Some is uh, you no longer need a specialized wall mount to hang the mini in a convenient location. And while some will appreciate this option, there's still the matter of snaking the power cord to reach the outlet. And so let's see what other information they might have. Um, it also incorporates what Google calls ultrasound sensing. In lieu of having more cameras in the home and opening up privacy concerns, Google's newest devices can detect if you're nearby. The Nest Mini still has the same uh, capacitive touch controls of the Google Home Mini, so if you're a fan of tapping the device to activate it instead of saying, hey Google, don't worry, that feature is still there. There are now additional embedded LED lights that flank the main three on the sides of the Nest Mini to turn up or lower the volume. All right, so uh, that's going to be the end of our show right now. 
So let's, uh, if you have any comments or questions about what uh, the product that we just discussed on the show today, you can email me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. Also, if you have any products or services that you would like to rave about or complain about, you can contact me at consumerreviewreport at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook at Consumer Review Report and on Twitter at CRR in McKeesport. This is Consumer Review Report on WNCK.FM Internet Radio.